Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on KSRQ 90.1 FM. We're available beyond the FM dial at RadioNorthland.org. And we're also, uh, our stations are part of the TuneIn app. That's a free app. Yeah, got it. Kind of like free, right? You can check out that and many other stations. So you can listen to us live, or you can also listen to the archives. We're available, too, uh, at uh, RadioNorthland.org. Seven years worth of wrestling memories then and now. I'm Glenn Broggett, and with me, my co-host, he's down there deep in the heart of Texas, just back from another great uh, uh, booking excursion. He's always looking around for the best uh, talent to put on the program, top talent, and today he has knocked it out of the park. I want to introduce down in the mobile studio deep in the heart of Texas, Texas, the grizzled vet himself, Mr. Mike McCurdy. Mike, my friend, welcome again to another edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Some bearable temps down there in Texas at the time of this recording. Yeah, man. Time of this recording, we're now back into the uh, we're back into the sixties. So, you know, no, we were in the teens the other day. I didn't like the teens, but yeah, no, weather's back up. We're good to go. You know, like you said, another week, another edition of Wrestling Memories and. We got another great guest. Like you said, I was on assignment out booking some more guests. Got a lot more lined up. I think our fans are going to, listeners are going to enjoy what we got coming up. And I know for a fact they're going to enjoy today's guest. Oh, I, 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 when you told me that you booked him, I was very surprised in that very pleasant surprise sort of sense because, I mean, I've, I I followed him, you know, when he got he first uh, first entered America's hearts as a real true American, America's sweetheart on uh, Survivor, man. Uh, yes, uh, I you can never forget this guy in, in his run through pro wrestling and also uh, parlaying his uh, success in the reality uh, TV world, too. He's done a lot of things. He's always doing something. He's always got something going on, so it's very special that... That, uh, Mike, you were able to uh, to book this guest today because time is a premium uh, when you're dealing with top talent, right? Oh, exactly, man. You know, he's very gracious. A lot of you know, with his time here to come on time. Like I said, you know, the listeners are going to enjoy it. I've had a chance to talk with this man before. I love his story. He is one of my favorites. All reality, one of my favorites. So I'm going to enjoy this interview this week. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to have him talk, tell his story, but also get his uh, sage advice uh, and opinions on some of the things that are going on in today's pro wrestling game. Because there's a lot of things, a lot of movable parts here as we're heading down towards WrestleMania season. Uh, We got the indies to talk about. We got mania. We got all kinds of little things. But of course, we got to hear this man's story. And uh, he is so gracious with his time. Again, a very uh, much a top talent. I got to welcome him, the ultimate heel. And we love ultimate heels around here, my friend. Mr. Johnny Fairplay, welcome to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Uh, great to have me, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. It's an ultimate privilege to be welcoming you in. And uh, it was through uh, Mike, uh, the grizzled vet, who uh, made this quality booking. So I'm going to let Mike uh, open up the uh, the proceedings this week, but I'm going to come back and uh, throw a few shots at you and ask a few questions uh, and, and tap the mind of Johnny Fairplay. But first, it's only fair that I allow the grizzled vet to uh, open up the uh, the festivities with the uh, his line of questioning here. So ready to go there, Grizz? Oh, of course. Now, Johnny, you know, we made the introduction. The fans know who you are. They know who you are through Survivor, many other realities. But I'm going to start off from the beginning. You know, what initially got you into interested in professional wrestling? Because, you know, that's kind of where you started. You were in the NBC and all that, did a little total nonstop action. But, you know, where did you start? What got your attention? What about professional wrestling made it something that, you know, you were interested in? Sure. Uh, my my whole family has watched wrestling, uh, like, you know, since I was very little, my, my grandmother and grandfather used to scream at the television. My dad used to take me to wrestling matches starting at the age of four, maybe. 
and he told me to root for the bad guys because the good guys are uh, are the p word. So, uh, so that was my, my indoctrination into wrestling. I, I remember uh, once again around around the four or five age mark, uh, growing up in Danville, Virginia. Our local ABC affiliate was WSET thirteen, and on Friday nights they would have Mid Atlantic uh, Crockett Wrestling. And uh, people wanted it so badly that the new, that the 11 o'clock news was only 15 minutes so that the wrestling could start at 11.15 p.m. And uh, I remember uh, Roddy Piper, who I would later uh, work for. I was uh, Roddy's assistant for about a year. I remember seeing Roddy Piper come out the bagpipes and me turning down the volume until he was done playing the bagpipes. But then promptly racing back to turn the volume back on once he began talking because heaven forbid you, you miss a word that Roddy Piper says. Now, you know, obviously, you know, you said your, your, your father's sage advice of, you know, you know, root for the bad guys. Cause the good guys are, we're not going to go there. It's, it's a Sunday show, 12 noon. People are just getting out of church. So, sure. so it kind of sounds like <laughs> I censored myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds kind of like, you know, from the beginning, you were kind of more interested in the heel character, the the bad guys per se of of the show. Sure, sure. No, I mean, like you know, I, I I you know when when I watch Batman, I like the Joker. You know, when when I watch Superman, I like Lex Luthor. I think Thanos is is, a, is an amazing character, and and honestly, the ultimate good guy. He's just trying to make the universe a better place. This this is what's great about Johnny Fairplay, right, Glenn, is the fact that you know. He, he uh, tr- truly, you know, kind of lives the heel persona. It, it's a it's a great character. Well, I, I, that's now, what I, that's what I like about it, you know. And I like hearing his story about watching wrestling, and and that's about the same age that I connected with it too. And you know, I I, I had um, you know older siblings, but I also had a grandma. My grandma was quite the little worker around the place because she'd always do the casual walk by the uh, the television, and AWA All Star Wrestling would be on, and she'd be, "Well, what what's that? What's what's that on for?" And next thing you know, you can hear her in the back by the kitchen making noises because she's following the action. I mean, totally, totally like try to no sell it. But every time we'd seem to catch grandma and I had a grandpa that was uh, the exact same way. So wrestling was pretty much an inescapable thing. So kind of hearing your story of how you started watching, uh, you know, you were in the heart of mid-Atlantic wrestling territory. I mean, what a great, uh, plentiful place to uh, to watch it and, and cut your teeth on you know, wrestling and have that uh, so close to you. Sure. I mean, I, you know, uh, I, I, once again, I grew up in Danville, Virginia and we have, uh, 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 they would have wrestling here. They'd have it at the, the armory downtown, uh, and then at the local high school, we only had one high school in the city. And, you know, once again, going back to 1978, 79, Andre, the giant would, you know, would be, you know, in front of 400 people. It was crazy. Oh, you know, when I started going to, to a live shows too, my first ones was like a AWA 1988 house show, you know, AWA at the time, you know, was really on the uh, serious uh, on the downfall because, you know, Vince was taking over well with the territories and stuff. But I, I can remember going there to the spot show and just having the place packed. It was a high school gymnasium packed 
to go see. This, these fans were the kind that they weren't even completely plugged in to what was going on with the current storylines because Kurt Henning had just, you know, turned heel, won the AWA championship, and they announced him. And they said, first thing they said his name, they the fans just popped, and then they announced that he was uh, in a six-man with the Russians, and then that thing just totally uh, turned the tide. But, you know, going to see that wrestling for the first time, you know, meeting Wahoo McDaniel and stuff, those bring back memories. What memories do you have, like, of going to those early shows and getting a chance to to see it live and going beyond that 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 television look? My fir- The first WWF show that I remember was right before... Uh, actually, I might have my ticket stub uh, right here, as a matter of fact. Let's see. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm looking at a, a thousand old ticket subs. So, but uh, but one of, one of the first shows I went to uh, was a uh, w or one one of the first WF shows I remember was right before WrestleMania two I believe, and uh, they they did they had a uh, they had a house show earlier that day in Landover Maryland, and then that night they were in Richmond Virginia, which was about a three and a half hour drive for my dad to take me, and uh, so like on the card was. Um, Magnificent Morocco versus Ricky Steamboat in a uh, in a black belt match. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan versus uh, Macho Man Randy Savage oh, uh, was uh, was the main event, and the semi main was supposed to be Roddy Piper. Oh, I, I, earlier on the card, uh, let's see, uh, Junkyard Dog versus Terry Funk in a branding iron match. But, uh, but the semi-main was supposed to be Roddy Piper versus Cousin Luke, uh, Hillbilly Jim's Cousin Luke. And in Landover, Maryland, that uh, for the afternoon, Sunday afternoon house show, someone stabbed Roddy on the way to the ring, you know, in, uh, in defense of the honor of Cousin Luke. <laughs> it's just like, wow. I mean, like, that's heat. I mean, you, you know, like, like I, you know, I remember Hillbilly Jim. I remember Uncle Elmer. I remember Cousin Luke. I remember Cousin Junior. I don't think either of the cousins were around too significantly long. And for someone to be so worked up to defend the honor of Cousin Luke to stab another human being, that's heat, brother. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one to tell the grandkids later on about pa, Pop Pop uh, serving a little time. Yeah, what happened? Well, you know, man, I just had to I just had to defend him. He was cut. Look, he was just that 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 dang old Piper got him, man. I had to go give him. I had to. I just had to step in. Yeah. Yeah. So as a result, I did not see Roddy Piper in, in 19, I believe, probably 88 is my is my official guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe 86. When it, as I said, right right before WrestleMania 2, if memory serves correct. Now, you, you know, you've gone to these shows, but who was the first pro wrestler you ever had a chance to, to go up and, and approach for, for an autograph? For me, it was uh, at that house show when I met Wahoo McDaniel. I was a pretty gutsy kid, but he was quite nice. We ended up chatting about like wrestling and pro football. Uh, who was that one that for, you first approached and, and, and you had a little interaction with? Uh, let's see. When I was really young, there was a, there was a convenience store called Ma Hollins that had just opened up and there's a line around this, like down, down the entire city to see Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, but, uh, like a little older and, and more memorable, you know, conversation wise, uh, DDP and Dustin Rhodes at a food lion on their way, you know, to, you know, making towns. So I talked to them for a little bit. And then, uh, I was at a, uh, 
um, a house show in Bassett, Virginia in 91 uh, for WCW. Uh, the main event was Sting versus Dr. X, and Dr. X was Kevin Nash in a hood. And so uh, earlier that uh, earlier that day, we met the, the, the Young Pistols. Um, we asked them to sign a piece of paper as they were signing. I kept dropping their rain jackets on the ground on purpose because I didn't like them. They were baby faces. Uh, met Owen Hart that day. He was very nice. We were kind of shocked that, you know, Owen Hart, this was, this was like the, the three weeks that Owen Hart was in WCW. And um, who else? Sid Vicious uh, was extremely nice. So not nine times out of ten, you go back. I mean, just you know, just from there and, and then up until now, the the heels are typically nicer when you meet them because, like, like I'm a bad guy, and you know, I guess in real life, and uh, so like I hear, like I'll, I'll walk with a friend, you know, like at an airport or at the mall or something, and my friend is like, "Does that drive you crazy?" And I'm like, "What?" He goes, "He goes, dude, just walking, you'll hear." He goes, "I I've probably heard a hundred people, you know, whisper Johnny Fairplay, but just not walk up to you or, or you know or or stop you or anything." And I was like, "No," I'm like, "You, you kind of get used to it, you know. That's that's the beauty of being a, a quote unquote heel." is, you know, people are, you know, kind of intimidated by you. They think you might be in, you know, a, an a-hole or whatever, but, you know, but for whatever reason, they typically don't bother you as much. They still do, but just not as much. Whereas the baby face, there's nothing stop. You know, they see you, they say your name, they approach you, they, you know, they bother you. So I, I think, you know, if, if, if you're respectful enough and you're a heel and someone, someone approaches you, you're, nine times out of ten, you're, you're going to be nicer versus, you know, a baby face. They've just been overly approached. That is, you know, they're, typically they're at the point of, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not on the clock. Go away. Yeah, it feels like, yeah, I punched the card. I'm out. Can I just get to my, my rental and get out to the other town or get to the hotel, man? Yeah, that, I could totally uh, understand that. Yeah, On one of our episodes, before I give the mic back to, to uh, Mike, who I, I kind of healed the mic away from, uh, I got to talk about, because we had a guest on, on the program talking, we, and we got into the conversation of, of tape trading and, of course, of how big that was in the 80s and into the 90s before, you know, you could get the world at, at your your fingertips with a click uh, click on YouTube or uh, whatever uh, network you subscribe to. Were you at all invested in that, that, that tape culture of tape trading to find out more about other territories outside of where you were in Danville? Sure. Uh, but I was fortunate enough in that uh, post-college, I went to Virginia Tech, and after college, I moved to Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, I met a, a gentleman named uh, John Hitchcock, who uh, who runs Parts Unknown Comic Book Store? Uh, if you ever uh, if, if you ever ever seen uh, tapes or video from wrestling, uh, the, the Crockett days uh, uh, in the uh, in the late '80s, uh, the the four guys that were on the front row at the Greensboro Coliseum, they would hold up the you know the four horseman fingers. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 uh, you know, they're the front row section D guys. They, they, they were brutal. They, 
they were brutal. I mean, John has this book. I mean, they they were the ultimate fans. I mean, you talk about the Ric Flair fan. They were just the ultimate yeah. heel fan, and they're so notorious. I mean, it's always fun when you ever you get John on a podcast or you know to chat about that because just the stuff they get into with like Doug Dillinger just messing around with his ass. I mean, that was just hilarious sure. stuff, and the way they committed to the bit. I mean, John is just such one of those great characters, one of those really uh, one of those unique fans when you think about true pro wrestling fans when you think about for the territory you think about him you think about ivan with the the, the wwf and you think about the the dude with the straw hat from the ecw but definitely hitchcock and his boys are, are definitely in line because they knew how to run and get under people's skin and that was the thing that made the show entertaining too absolutely so so when i moved to greensboro north carolina after college i went to parts in their comic book store met hitch Somehow wrestling came up. Uh, uh, Hitch is usually quick to do that. He introduced me to Bruce Mitchell from the Pro Wrestling Torch, also one of the front row section D guys. And Bruce Mitchell started me on my my you know, vast tape collecting. You know, it's just like here, check this out. Here, check this out. So, uh, so right. So that that was I uh, believe ninety. Uh, let's see, ninety seven, probably ninety six, ninety seven. So, uh, so at that time, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm getting ECW tapes from Bruce, um, and then I'm going back, I'm getting like the best Tiger Mask, uh, Dynamite Kid, you know, lots of stuff like that, and, and then, you know, morphing my way through the, you know, Eddie Gilbert Cactus Jack Deathmatch stuff. So, uh, so yeah, so now I, I was I was big into the tape stuff, but I didn't really have to trade. I would just, you know, go to Bruce's and I'm just like, you know, give me give me ten tapes because if you. You know, back in those times, there, there, Bruce would have probably at any given time probably 1,500 tapes laying around somewhere. And what an ultimate thing to have, though, to kind of cultivate in your mind, you know, watching and learning the psychology uh, in, in through the interviews and through the ring uh, work of some of these most legendary guys that weren't normally in the territories that maybe you, you would watch initially, uh, you know, in, in, in your area. That's what I find that was so fascinating about that era, because, you know, before there was the YouTube, it was people you know doing this trading and you got to learn a little bit more outside of just what, what people were sending out in the after mags. Sure. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, to be able to see the ECW stuff, it was, you know, it was amazing. And, and, and I was all in on that. And so from Greensboro, North Carolina, I would, I would move from there to, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. And one day my uh, girlfriend and I, we decided to go to the Baltimore aquarium and we went the day that we, it was on, uh, I think it was on a Saturday night and or a Saturday afternoon. And the day we went, they happened to be closed for some kind of remodeling. And I was like, wow, how far away is Philadelphia from here? And she's like, oh, it's pretty close. So uh, I, I have, from watching all those ECW tapes, I, I it had embedded into my mind the hotline number. I called the number, and it was like, tonight at the ECW arena, Swanson and Rittner. I was like, oh, my God, we got to go to Swanson. So anyway, we get in the car. Uh, it's, it's, it's craziness. The, the night I go, my first ever visit to the ECW arena is Raven's last match in ECW. That's when the lights go out. Well, Raven, find, you know, Raven has the, what, three-year feud with Tommy Dreamer. Raven wins every single time. Finally, on, on Raven's way out to WCW, he does the honors. The lights go out. The lights come back on. There's Jerry Lawler to proclaim that ECW is extremely crappy wrestling, blah, blah. It, it was just it was, it was so amazing. I mean, like, that, that was Wrestlepalooza 97, and uh, one of the greatest live shows I've ever been in, been to in my entire life. 
it, the thing about ECW too, especially in you know those arenas, those small intimate arenas, you know, it really brought the fan in as the the extra character, really, uh, in, in some of the stories because I mean those guys, the fans in the audience, the way they would interact and the, the rowdiness and fun, it almost combined with some of those uh, you know when you see the old clips of the British in the soccer matches in Europe. I mean, just the, the loyalty, uh, you know, not quite the degree of ramped up violence in certain scenarios, but I mean they had their moments, but still, it's just that way they had that connection, the way the fans and the wrestlers, it really had that such a warm feel and people had such a connection both ways. Yeah, I, I, I met Straw Hat Guy there that night. Very disappointed. I, uh, I don't know if, if Straw Hat Guy's in on the, uh, in on the secret on wrestling. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he, he was all in on what was going on. It, 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 was, it was a little sad. <laughs> there, there, there goes the myth. You know, it's like uh, you found out. But now I'm going to bring it back into my, because I feel like I, I healed here. I feel, John, I don't know what's, what got over me. We started talking. I forgot Mike had a, a whole line of questions. I'm going to bring it back to the grizzled vet, Mike McCurdy. Please accept my sincerest apologies. It's all right, man. I'm sorry. I'm starting to kind of feel like the, the good guy in the proceedings, though. You know, you and Johnny having some great conversation. I'm just kind of sitting on the sidelines, but that's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> what I kind of want to ask, though, now is, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot of the names, you know, we obviously know that you went more towards the heels and all that, but what, at what point did you decide this is what you wanted to do? And just kind of what were the beginnings of Johnny Fairplay as far as wrestling goes? Uh, sure. In high school, in like 91, 92, um, I, uh, I saw a thing where Ivan Koloff had a wrestling school in, uh, I believe, Concord, North Carolina. And so I, I wrote Ivan a letter. It's just like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm five foot six, a uh, hundred and, and 10 pounds. I want to be a pro wrestler. You know, would advise me. He's just like, if you have three thousand dollars, I'll train you, brother. <laughs> I was like, I bet you will. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, I attempted to like I was I was drinking like weight gain shakes and all that. I believe I got up to one hundred and twelve pounds. So that that was a good good use of money. So, but uh, no, after uh, uh, after college, I saw another another flyer somewhere that was just like, do you want to be a wrestler, manager, uh, valet, or a referee? Uh, New Dimension Wrestling is is uh, is training, but and, and I I believe uh, I believe they wanted two thousand dollars to train. And, uh, it was, uh, Chris Plano was running new dimension wrestling. His, his, his head trainer was Manny Fernandez. And so, you know, I showed up with the outfit, um, you know, pieced together from hot topic probably. And was just like, Hey, I'm a bad guy manager. I'm Johnny Fairplay. You know, uh, I, I want to, I want to do this. And they're like, have you been trained? I'm like, uh, no, but you know, I'm willing to do on the job training. And, uh, they're like, uh, well, you know, do you want, it's, uh, it's $2,000. I'm like, I'm not going to pay $2,000. So like, how about a thousand dollars? I'm like, I'm not going to pay, two, I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars. And they're like, okay. And, and, you know, they ended up paying me to, to manage. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what shrewd magical powers I used, but, but whatever it was, it worked. And, uh, and, and so, uh, Manny taught me some stuff. Like when I first started, I was working with the Hardy boys, uh, here in the Carolinas, it, uh, you know, uh, I would manage a tag team uh, called Rising Sun against the Hardys because the promoter was scared that the Hardys were going to go to WWF and take the tag team belts with them, you know, because we all know Vince McMahon wants the new Dimension Wrestling tag team titles more than anything. So, uh, so I would cheat so that the heels could could remain champions. 
And then from uh, from North Carolina, I moved up to uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, and I uh, was later uh, uh, I had my my skills uh, honed by uh, Axel Rotten, you know, from ECW. He was he was working with a promotion up there, a training school called Bone Breakers. And then uh, from there, uh, I I would uh, I would move to Portland, Oregon, and uh, uh, I I I started running uh, New Dimension Wrestling there, and you know, and and uh, uh, I, I met Roddy Piper, uh, after that. And, uh, the rest is, is kind of, kind of history. Now, you know, you brought up Axel Rotten and in my opinion, kind of one of, you gotta say, he's gonna, you're gonna have to play a hardcore icon, but what can you tell us? Cause it was such a tragic ending to, you know, his life, but what can you tell us about, you know, getting to work with Axel Rotten? Cause like I said, hardcore icon. And I think more people know just what they've seen, you know, through ECW, I see them and all that. What can you tell us a little bit about Axel Rotten? Just kind of working with him, maybe just the person himself. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. So like, uh, so 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 nice, so kind, uh, funny. Like just a funny dude. I mean, like you know, he would uh, he would do it. You know, you would see the scars on his on his arms and forehead from you know from blading and stuff. And uh, he would uh, he, he would. You know, he'd have somebody chase him around with a pizza box, and they, they'd hit him on the they hit him on the head with the pizza box, and he'd he'd fake gig his, his arm, and then they hit him on the arm, and he'd fake gig his head. <laughs> you know, and he was just uh, just a nice guy. I mean, you know, uh, drugs are uh, drugs are tough. You know, if you if you have an addictive personality, or or you know, even if you don't have an addictive personality, and and you really enjoy drugs, they're they're eventually going to take control and, you know, and, and for a lot of people, it's a battle that, that you're not going to win. I mean, you know, the, the drugs have the upper hand as far as, as far as power. And, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's a sad story, but it's a story that's been told many times in the world of professional wrestling. And, uh, and it's a story that's being told a lot less than it, than it used to be. And I, I think that's a good thing. Now, moving on up to Oregon, you said you promoted at New Dimension Wrestling. You also said you worked with uh, Piper for about a year. Um, can you share some stories with Piper? Because I've had a chance to meet and talk with him on a few occasions You know, back then, because I'm from California. I used to go up to Portland Territory all the time, back when Frank Culverton was running Portland Wrestling, and Piper sure. would come in and make appearances. So, you know, Piper, generally, another another good guy to talk to, very humble guy. I enjoyed talking with him, but what can you tell us a little bit about working with Piper? Uh, it was crazy. I mean, he, he's, uh, he's nuts. <laughs> I mean, every day was an adventure. I like, you know, I, I love wrestling. I, I consider myself, you know, a wrestling historian to, to some degree. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've watched so much stuff, read so much stuff, talked to so many people and, you know, and just heard the stories and, and, and Roddy is, 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 is a unique one in that Roddy has probably told more stories than, than anyone else in, in wrestling, you know, him and, and Hulk, you know, collectively, I, I think, you know, probably have the rec, the world record for most wrestling stories told. And, you know, if you were to check the accuracy on, on, on any of them, uh, you know, they're, they're, they would probably, you know, weigh in at about, you know, 0.5% true. So and and it's not this not the fact that either one of them are are egregious liars. It's just that they they know that uh, you know they 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 have they know they don't let the inaccuracies of a story 
derail the story. So they're going to tell the story as best they can, make it as grandiose as possible purposely for the sake of, of telling a better story. And they've told these stories with the inaccuracies so many times that at this point they're true to them. So they're, they're not attempting to lie to you. They're attempting to tell the truth, but the truth in their head for these stories that they've told over and over and over again, you know, like, like uh, I love Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman is a, is a hero to me, you know, a, a true, you know, mentor in, in, in what the, the character of Johnny Fairplay is, is, is about, you know, and then I asked Roddy, you know, some, a, a couple, you know, to tell me a couple Andy Kaufman stories and he's telling me these stories and I'm just like, Wow, I'm like like none of them jived up whatsoever. Like timelines off. Like there's just no way, no how, not true, not in a million years. But Roddy believed those stories. So and and he didn't tell me to blow smoke up my butt or to lie to me purposely. Roddy, you know, Roddy has once again told those stories so many times. You know that that's the way he remembers it. Now I, I think you can kind of appreciate it going to get a little loud here for just a second unfortunately i got some work going on right outside the mobile studio here so we're gonna hear a little banging but um you know i think that's true with a lot of professional wrestlers because i watch a lot of the shoot interviews because i'm a historian myself and i watch a lot of the shoot interviews to get the quotes i read a lot of stories and i know historically that there are a lot of inaccuracies in the story but they do believe them i honestly saw an interview one time where rick flair talked about how he was in puerto rico the night bruiser brody died and there is there nothing go. that correlates Ric Flair being in Puerto Rico the night Bruiser Brody died. But according to him, he was there. Sure. Uh, and you know, it's just if you, you know, you, you just you've you've told him so many times that that's that you know it, it just works its way into it into a new reality. So, but uh, but you know, I once again the, the stories were you know always well for the most part entertaining. Uh, like I I I do I can't share those stories. So uh, one night. Uh, Roddy's uh, training this this young guy to be well. This this guy had, had asked for for training advice, and uh, Roddy's like, "Let me see your punches." He was like, uh, "Oh no, sir, my my punches are horrible. It, 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 you know, I, it, I I I don't want you to laugh at me." He goes, he goes, but Fairplay has really good punches, and I was just like, "I, I don't. I'm like, my punches are fine." And he's just like, "Let me see." I'm just like, "I'm I'm good." <laughs> I'm just like, I don't I don't really need my punches critiqued by Roddy Piper, you know, I, I do what I do and, and I'm happy with what I do. And, and to be honest, for the most part, if, if I'm, if, if, if I'm, you know, being a heel manager at ringside or whatever, I'm not really going to throw punches. I'm going to do forearm shivers because I, I don't feel that, the, you know, the character Johnny Fairplay should throw punches. So, but that's just me. So, uh, anyway, so Roddy's like, let me see your punches. I'm like, no, he's like, I'm not asking, I'm telling you. I'm like, okay, fine. So I throw a few punches. He's like, those are pretty good. And I was like, thanks. I thought so. He goes, you want to see one of mine? I'm like, I've seen them. He's like, come on. I was like, I'm good. He's like, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. I'm like, all right, let's see. So he punches me. Bam. Top lip, bottom lip, busted open, blood pouring out. Like, how'd it look? Like, pretty believable. <laughs> wow. Now, you're talking a little bit here. You just mentioned another guy that I'm a huge fan of. You and I seem to kind of fall along on the same basis of, uh, you know, the characters that we enjoyed. In it, and that's um, Andy Kaufman. You mentioned him a little bit. I can see definitely the correlation between Johnny Fairplay and Andy Kaufman because Kaufman, not only a comic genius, but that run of time in Memphis where he was going in and, you know, obviously the wrestling was bad because he's not a wrestler. Jerry Lawler is, you know, the guys he's going up against, but it was the promos. It was the promos demand cut. They were absolutely amazing. 
Now, uh, you and I are roughly about the same age, so we were little when Kaufman was doing his thing, though. Yeah, I, I think the matches were great, though. I, I think running around the ring for, for four and a half minutes, when, when, you know, working the crowd up into such a tizzy, they're ready to explode, and, and then finally, you know, Jerry, Jerry getting his hands on him, or, or not. You know, because there, there are many times when it looked like Jerry's going to get his hands on him, and then, you know, out came another one of uh, uh, Jimmy Hart's, uh, you know, uh, minions from the, you know, the, the Hart first family, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, the mummy or, or, or the Beastmaster Rick Link, or, you know, like they, they're just one after another. So, uh, no, even match wise, like, you know, sure. Andy, Andy couldn't wrestle a lick, but you know, it does. It, he didn't have to, I mean, the, the guy was, he wasn't meant to, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like about one of the greatest workers of all time. You know, you think Dynamite Kid. I got, I got Andy Kaufman right there. Like I said, I thought Andy was genius. My favorite promo from him always is going to be where he's talking about how, you know, the stuff that the Southerners need to know when he talks about soap. And he's pronounced oh, yeah. it so, you know, it, it's pronounced so eloquently. Soap, yeah. not soap or however he said it. He was amazing. Sure. The, the promos are my favorite part. I'm from Hollywood. It's probably one of my favorite like wrestling related movies actually just cuz of you get to see the promos as well as what was going on in the ring. Bar none. I'm from like I I've heard people discuss, you know, d- different Andy bio uh, uh uh documentaries and stuff and and I from I from Hollywood it, it blows them away. Like the crazy thing is all right, so uh the the my breakfast with Blassie um movie that was made by Johnny Legend and and I, I can't remember the the lady's name that, that that he did it with, but uh, I remember I worked a uh, I worked an indie show in Portland, Oregon at the Roseland Theater, and afterwards uh, we we were at the uh, at the adjoining bar, and uh, the this guy had had asked me for an autograph or something, and and I I could not have been any ruder to him. I mean I was I was just complete butt. And, and rude and arrogant and, and, and everything else. And, uh, uh, and the guy later went to one of my friends and, uh, and, and, and my friend had, had contacted me later. He was just like, he was like, Hey, do you remember the guy that came to you at the bar? And I was like, no, not really. And he goes, that was Johnny legend. The guy that did the Andy Kaufman, uh, uh, my breakfast was Blassie. I was like, oh my God, that's one of my favorite things ever, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I was just like, and he goes, he goes, you were so rude, so obnoxious, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, and he goes, he goes no, he goes, uh, he goes, don't apologize. He was like, uh, he, he, he said, uh, he said he would have been disappointed if you were any other way. And it made him so happy to see that you, you not break character at, at the bar like that. <laughs> he was just so thrilled that, so, and, you know, so you never know. <laughs> I do feel bad because I, I, I think the guy, you know, he, he did something really, really amazing. So, and for those, those of you that don't know what my, my breakfast with Blassie is, there was a movie that came out in the seventies called my, my dinner with Andre it had nothing to do with Andre the giant. And it was one of the worst, most boring movies of all time. It was Oscar nominated and all that. And it's just so pretentious and ridiculous. So Johnny legend and, and the lady he was, he was on the date with, uh, they were, they were like, uh, how can we get those two hours of our lives, lives back? And they're like, well, let's make fun of my, my dinner with Andre with my breakfast with Blast, you'll contact Andy Kaufman and blah, blah, blah. So that, that's, that's where they originated. And, you know, it was, so sometimes 
sometimes you act like a, like a butthead and, and people appreciate it. Have you had a chance to uh, get in contact with Bob Zamuda at all? Uh, Bob Zamuda reached out to a mutual friend of mine and, uh, you know, according to rumor and innuendo, you know, whether this is true or not, Bob told, uh, told a mutual friend that when Andy died, his spirit went into the body of, of, of a young Johnny Fairfly. So that is a compliment big time. Now, Obviously, you know, you're in, you're in Portland. You said you're promoting new Dominican wrestling. Um, we're going to skip forward a little bit because I know this is something one of our listeners are going to want to, you know, hear about a little bit. And that is kind of where you kind of came into the spotlight. This is where I learned about you. This is where I first knew about you. And, of course, that's going to be Survivor, which was your opportunity to be, in my opinion, and a lot of others, probably one of the greatest heels in, you know, anywhere, especially in reality television. So sure. let's talk a little bit about how they approached you. You got on to do Survivor and just kind of obviously the experiences you had with that. Uh, yeah, I was living in Los Angeles. A buddy of mine was like, do you want to come to this party? His girlfriend picked me up. We stopped at a gas station. I'm on the corner having a smoke. This white Volvo locked up the brakes. She pulls up, uh, she pulls into the gas station. She's like, hey, can I ask you a crazy question? I say, you're hot. Why not? She goes, you ever watch Survivor? I go, no, they're a bunch of losers. She says, I'm the casting director. I say, that sucks for you. She goes, I'm offering you a chance in a million dollars. And I'm like, so? And she was like, I think you'd be perfect. And I say, uh, tell me something I don't know, honey. And she goes, that's it, you're on. That was it. Just the confidence that they were looking for in a, in a character. Uh, and, and So obviously look. it sounds like they had known a little bit about you before no, you know, during no, the captain. No, 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 they were driving Just going the street. They saw a guy with the big blonde curly hair. They were looking for a surfer guy, but then when they met me and, and my arrogance, they're like, "Oh my god, this guy!" Like, we have a real life bad guy. Like, no one in the history of reality television was a bad guy before me. That 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 meant to be. Like anyone that had been, you know, painted with the with the villain brush. They were just like, I got a bad edit. That wasn't really me. You know, I'm sorry, but reality TV doesn't use CGI. You know, if, if you say bad guy stuff, you're a bad guy. I mean, there's only so many, you know, they can only cut it up so much, you know, like, it, it, but, you know, there, there's not a bad guy that said one bad thing and then everything else he did displayed the characteristics of a good person, you know? So with me going out there, I'm just like, I want to be the biggest bad guy of all time. Like, I love professional wrestling. This is, you know, I, I'm giving you professional wrestling. And uh, they, they, they loved it. I mean, you know, production's just like, this is, this is, this, 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 this kid's heaven sent. I was hooked from, um, I was hooked from the beginning. That's one of my favorite seasons. Obviously, you know, definitely winning for your character. And like you said, you were the ultimate bad guy to the point where I'm sure Jeff Probst still once, is still irked by a lot of the things you did on the show after the show, but you know, taping survivor, you're out on the islands and all that. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Cause we see it on TV, but to actually be there just has to be kind of like horrible with some of the conditions that you go through. Yeah. It just sucks. You're like either you're bored or you're miserable. So that's it. I mean, go, go. I mean, like people are like, what's it like? Go in your backyard and lay down for 40 days and tell me, tell me what you think, because that's more comfortable than what I did. 
That's a good way to look at it. Now, of course, you know, through Survivor, through Survivor, you know, you created probably one of, it might still even be probably one of the top Survivor moments of all time and push you over the top as the heel character. And that, of course, is the luxury competition where your friend came on to the show and the world found out that, you know, he was there because your grandmother had died. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about this, kind of the origin of that, because you and I have, you know, I've interviewed you before, and this was kind of your plan from the beginning. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like uh, every every uh, every season, they do a loved one's thing. The season before my and 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 you know, I'd never seen Survivor before I was cast, so I'm watching the old seasons, learning the game, you know, formulating a strategy. And every time I'd get to loved one's episode, I'd cry. I mean, like you know, it, it's it's heart wrenching television. So I was like, you know, there has to be a way I can use this to my advantage. You know, if I'm crying and I'm a horrible person, just imagine what I could do if, if I could implement this somehow. And so the season before mine, Jenna Maraska, who later came, uh, showed up in TNA Wrestling, Jenna's mom was dying of cancer. So everyone lost uh, 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 the auction challenge on purpose so she can get letters from home so she could find out, you know, how her mom was doing. So I was like, okay, well, what's more sympathetic than, in, than a dying mom, a dead grandmother. So, so I had it worked out. My buddy, you know, just come out and say that she died. Now, you know, you, you got to the lecture competition. He comes out, you know, dude, you know, grandma died, your grandma died. And the cast is basically, it's all there. At this point in time, it's tears galore from everybody. They, throw, they give the competition away to you so you can spend time with your friends. Now, when I interviewed you the first time a few years back, this is the part I thought was great, was while your buddy was there, you wanted wrestling results. Yeah, well, I, I... You wanted to know what was going on. Well, I, I asked him, like, you know, so you pick your loved one, and so your loved one is supposed to write you a letter, and they're supposed to, uh, um, and, and then they show up. So he he informs me, like, when like when he, when he I, I win, it's just me and him. I was just like, he goes, did you get the letter? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, and, and I ended up getting the letter like a few days later. And he was just like, well, he goes, uh, he goes, I wrote, he goes, they asked me to write the letter basically three days after you left. And I'm like, yikes, uh, screw me. So anyway, uh, he was like, uh, he was basically, I just wrote, you know, your, your grandma's not doing well, blah, blah, blah. And I just put in a bunch of Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters uh, in with the letter. So you'll have those to read if you haven't read them already. I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I read most of them, you know, on, on the flight over. But, you know, any, you know I, I'll, I'll read anything at this point. Once again, I'm just bored on the island. So, uh, so I was like, okay, well, while you're here, what did I miss? And uh, when, when he first shows up and he hugs me, the first thing he says when he hugs me before she, the, you know, the grandma ideal, he hugs me and goes, Roddy Piper got fired from SmackDown. And I'm like, I don't care. Tell me my grandma died. So, uh, so anyway, so afterwards when we were alone, I'm just like, I'm like, so what all I miss? He's like, well, Roddy Piper went on, uh, uh, Greg Gumbel sports thing or whatever. It's, uh, uh, went a little too kayfabe and, uh, Vince fired him. And, uh, and he was like, he goes, I don't know. I didn't really watch it. I was like, okay. I was like, well, what else happened? What's, and he's just like, I don't know. Tommy Dreamer beat Stevie Richards or Kane or something. I haven't really been watching. And I'm like, dude, your only job is to tell me what I missed in wrestling. That's all I asked for. He's like, yeah, sorry. So anyway, uh, 
I finally get the letter four days later, and it's just like, and, and, and all the letter says is your grandma's not doing good. The Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters, they took out of the envelope. They couldn't have me have printed material uh, on the island. I do have a question or two uh, for Johnny uh, in, about his uh, career in reality television. Okay, this uh, I have a bit of a blurry memory on, and I apologize right off the gate for uh, my, my blurry memory, and I hope that you can clear this up. Uh, you happen to be a part of uh, another reality show that I, I kind of remember, but I, 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 I'm curious still because I do have this blurry memory. It was uh, Ty Murray's Celebrity Bull Riding Challenge. And you were on there with uh, a few celebrities, of course, uh, from the reality realm. And yeah, one of the things I remember, or kind of remember, and I, I think you could probably clear this up for me. I remember Leif Garrett being on the program. Now, I'm not sure if it was Leif or if it was another contestant that had uh, an accident uh, or they fell off the bull initially and got hurt. Now, was that Leif? Because I don't remember Leif being on the program for very long. Was that him or another person? Can you help clear up a memory that I have? A very foggy memory of, I guess, uh, of the bull riding challenge. Uh, well, first of all, I won celebrity bull riding. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was going to give uh, you. I was going to give you your accolade after I, I had to go with the Garrett moment, sure. but I mean, sure. you, you were the sure, king. Yeah. Pin, you no, were the I, kingpin. Yeah, no, I, I won that. Uh, my daughter, I have two daughters. Piper, she's eleven, and Madeline will be two in a couple months. Uh, Piper's godfather is Ty Murray, the greatest bull rider ever. And uh, no, Leif got there, saw the basically saw the bulls and quit. He never got on the bull. Uh, so I, I I believe Leif was going through withdrawals when he got there, and and just basically like he he never like we 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 all got there the first day, saw the bulls, and then I don't think he left his room. I, I like I never saw him again after that. So he was in his room, he was sick, and then he eventually just, just leaves. So because like, you know, the, the, the line, I think it was vanilla ice, you know, says like, you know, leaf left. So, but, uh, no, I, I ended up doing, I did another show with Leif Garrett. Uh, I did a, uh, I can't remember the, the, I did, I ended up doing a second show with Leif once again, never met him. I think it was the life coach maybe. And then, Finally, I did a third show called Camp Nirvana. Uh, once again, we shot the pilot, never saw the light of day. And on that show, it was like the, the first two days he was sick in his room. And then the last, the third day, he came out of his room. He was walking around the cottage we were in. He was singing. And uh, just a joy of it. Just so awesome. Like, you know, we actually uh, became really good friends after that and, and, and hung out uh, hung out a lot. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, on, uh, on celebrity bull riding, Lake never rode a bull. Like uh, Stephen, Stephen Baldwin, he, he rode a, his first bull. It threw him off and, and broke his collarbone. That's where I was getting the blurred memory because it's been so long. Thank yep. you. Not only did you yep. win, but you corrected me and got me on course. I mean, I, I, sure. I remember watching that show and it was just, uh, I mean, do you when you go make the rounds, you know, when you've been on these shows, who, who you know, you talked about, you know, meeting up, you know, with Life Garrett, but who were some of the, some of the usual suspects that you would kind of you see on these programs if you, you know, if they were trying out or if they were getting picked? Uh, who were some of the other guys that you uh, had to do with the reality? programs with here because uh, there were so many that I can remember from those shows that they kind of blurred 
Uh, I mean, my running buddies, reality-wise, I mean, like, you know, I, I dated uh, Trishel from The Real World and Tanya from The Real World, Katie from Road Rules, and uh, Tony Ferrari was usually around, lots of survivors, Bachelor Bob, uh, China and I used to hang out a lot, uh, uh, Ron Jeremy and I would, would, would go to lunch together a lot, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think. Those those are the ones that jump off the, at the top of my list. It's almost like it's it's a, it's it's own. Uh, I love those like you know stuff that you participated too in with the VH1s uh, back in the day. You, you just rattling off a name of the, some of the people that you ran with just reminds me of that could be just one big taping right there. Sure. I mean, like like you know, I watched I watched Celebrity Big Brother, and I got there just like oh wow. I mean, like this. It's essentially just just. Everyone that that's ever done or should have done, uh, I love the whatever. You're exactly right. So, because like Kato Kalen, you know, when when I saw him walk to, I'm just like, I know Kato Kalen. Well, and there you go. Okay, so now we're going to go into more present times. Uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, some of the things that were going on in pro wrestling today. Uh, most notably, uh, you know, a lot of news, a lot of buzz uh, has been around uh, uh, the uh, all elite wrestling, uh, you know, with the Khan family and, of course, Cody Rhodes, the Bucks, Jericho, and Omega. Uh, that has really kind of been making a lot of headlines with some of the people that also have been signing here in the recent weeks and recent months. And, of course, uh, the pay-per-views coming up and uh, the uh, TV deals that they're working out. What are your thoughts on this emerging company that is not just, uh, you know, an indie company, but has a, a bankroll of a family that is uh, very wealthy and, has, you know, not only owns the Jaguars, but has other investments in other stuff all, all across the world. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, something that just kind of came up, boom, have this plan to try to uh, be an alternative to the WWE? Uh, I think they need to hire me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I think the guy uh, the guy has deep pockets, and uh, I think they have a unique, different vision for professional wrestling. You know, it it, it was uh, you know I, I was in TNA, and and you know I'm friends with Dixie Carter, but you know I remember Wade Keller would have her on the you know the pro wrestling uh, torch uh, podcast, you know Friday interview show or whatever it may be, and he was like, you know what. What is uh, what is your vision for for TNA wrestling? And 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 he never got an answer ever. You know, it's just like we're we're fun, we're different. We're like if you're tired of WWE, like watch ours. It's just like no. What's your vision? Like you know what's you know and 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 it never really created it. You know, and I and uh, I think with uh, with with all elite, they they do have a vision. It's very unique. It's very different. You know, it's. It's uh, it's it's inside. It's uh, it's 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 work rate driven, um, and uh, it's it's like it's like the cool club. It's like you know Studio Fifty Four, and you know, and, and it's just for their members. So and and uh, but I but I think you know it, it, it's not you're excluded if you're not a member. You just ask for a membership. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be kind of a full branching out because there's a lot of uh, companies that are kind of uh, attached in some affiliation with it as far as the exchange of talent goes. Because uh, you know, what if say All Elite is is something that doesn't you know you know doesn't have as many shows per week or say per dates per month, but they're allowed you know some of these guys to kind of work uh, you know the true independent contractor sort of mode too on top of the guys their core guys that they have with Cody, the Bucks, Jericho, Omega, etc. Sure. So, no, I mean, and, and the, the, the promotions that they're doing talent exchange with, 
or promotions that, that can't provide any of these talents full, full-time work anyways. So, you know, and like uh, Lucha Underground isn't letting people out of their contracts. So, you know, so unless you're, you're free and clear or something like that, you can't, you, you know, but, and, and, and Lucha Underground has been kind enough to, to work with TNA because they are working so infrequently. So, but no, like, you know, uh, uh, the, the ones that, that are quote unquote allowing it are, are, are ones that don't, you know, don't really have those people locked in anyways. So no, uh, there's, I mean, there's there's rumors of of guys like MJF already you know signing signing at three hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year. So uh, no, this isn't this is this is not tiddlywinks. This is this is real business. They, they are locking in. Like if, if they lock you in and they don't want you to work somewhere else, you're not working somewhere else because you don't have to work somewhere else. So you know that according to rumor and innuendo. Chris Jericho will be the highest paid wrestler in 2000, the second half of 2019 or, or, or the, the, you know, or 2020, he will be the highest paid wrestler in, in, in the world. That's wow. crazy. That, that, that is absolutely crazy. Uh, Mike, are we, are, we have you back on my friend. You, you do have me back on man. A little bit of a technical difficulty. I do apologize to our guest for that. I would like to take a second though. Unfortunately, during our technical difficulty while I was waiting to be reconnected, uh, and I, I hate doing these things, but at the time of this recording, today's March 7th, I just read a post that here a little bit ago, we lost the destroyer, Dick Byer. His son just posted through social media, but he passed away today. And I, I hate to give that kind of information. That is uh, truly unfortunate. Uh, yeah, Dick, uh, we have had on the on the program uh, here in the past, and yeah, just an, another one that goes up to the great ring. I mean, uh, boy, uh, a pro presence at uh, ca- the Cauliflower Alley Clubs, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fames. Uh, in the next uh, coming weeks, here we're going to have to uh, get together a, a tribute to uh, Mr. Dick Byer. Uh, we also, too, it, we're only just a few uh, days removed uh, from the passing of King Kong Bundy. I mean, geez, we didn't even got a chance to mention that here before we uh, uh, sign off today. Definitely. And I hate to take the wind out of the sails of our, our interview and all that. And Johnny, thank you for joining us this week. But I just read that news and I thought, you know, to pass it along. Like I said, by the time this recording, you know, but still, I want to offer my condolences. I've met the Destroyer, you know, many times at CAC. He was such a wonderful guy. It's uh, no time like the, the right time to wrap up this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you again for uh, taking the time. Also, a big thank you to Johnny Fairplay. Uh, it's been a great uh, hour. Oh, it always goes by way too fast. So thank you again, uh, Mr. Mr. McCurdy. Johnny, real quick, I don't know if Glenn touched on this while I was gone, but where can fans find you? What, what are you, because I know you've got the Pro Wrestling Tea Store, uh, stuff like that. Just kind of what are some of the things you're doing now? Where can fans find you, buy merchandise, if you haven't discussed that yet? Sure. I mean, uh, I, I do a weekly Survivor podcast. You can find it at SurvivorNSFW.com. And not, uh, NSFW is not safe for work. I, uh, I, I drop a, uh, an occasional bad word or two. So, uh, so to listen to my weekly Survivor podcast, go to SurvivorNSFW.com. Uh, you can order T-shirts, uh, Johnny Fairplay or Survivor Inspired, uh, at JohnnyFairplay.com. With every T-shirt purchase, you get a phone call from me, Johnny Fairplay, thanking you for, for your purchase. So go ahead and check that out. That, that's through Pro Wrestling Teams, but you, you, you don't have to type in all that. You can just go to JohnnyFairplay.com and uh, get your t-shirt there 
And uh, lastly, um, I do uh, live survivor viewing parties. My next one is March 13th in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, the dead grandma will also be on hand signing autographs. So that's March 13th at uh, the Dirty Bull Brewing in Durham, North Carolina. You can get tickets for that at SurvivorTix.com. Also available at SurvivorTix.com are tickets for my upcoming appearances April 10th in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and May 1st in Los Angeles, California. And lastly, I'll be at Zany's in Nashville, and uh, it's another Survivor viewing deal. And uh, tickets for that show are available exclusively through survivorafterhours.com so but uh yeah go to uh check out my podcast and uh get a t-shirt and come see me live go to survivortix.com and see me next uh next wednesday wish me happy birthday and and tell the the dead grandma not to die yet very cool there we go glenn for johnny fairplay and the grizzled vet mike mccurdy i'm glenn brockett you've been listening to wrestling memories then and now